Hey, and welcome back to another installment of The Conspiracy Skeptic. I'm your Conspiracy Skeptic, Carl Mamer, and our returning guest is Dr. David Perlmutter. Uh, is it okay if I call you David? Is that okay? Yes. We're, we're, Absolutely. We're, we're cool like that. Thank you, thank you, David. But yes, yes. Uh, there are no uh, titles in Canada, right? Everybody just calls them, hey, Bob, hey, 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 Kevin, right? I mean, you're not allowed to use, like, yeah. <laughs> Prime Minister or... Member exactly. is a title. Well, pretty much, uh, if yeah, if you do ever meet a Canadian and forget his first name, uh, right? It's either Kevin or Doug. So one of those two, you're probably safe. That those are very. Yeah. But you can be Sir Carl Mamer. I've re- heard some rumors that mm-hmm. that's going to be happening at the next installation ceremony. So I want to start early, and I will want to call you Sir Carl. A uh, little little side story there. Uh, yeah, the um, Canada has an agreement with the Crown that uh, that our Prime Minister can veto any uh, uh, knighthoods and other such nobility awards given to Canadian citizens. So they uh, they wanted to nominate Conrad Black, who was a Canadian citizen at the time, and uh, and our Prime Minister uh, said nope can't uh you can't uh you can't knight him we're 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 calling in this you know this rule and so conrad black was all pissed off oh they wanted to make him a lord and uh conrad black was all pissed off so he uh he gave up his canadian citizenship and then he was able to be made a lord and then of course he had a little little legal trouble and as it sort of turned out if he had retained his canadian citizenship whatever he had violated he would have been prosecuting canada and probably been given a much lighter sentence than the hellhole he was thrown into America, but he was pardoned eventually anyway. So, yeah. There's a lesson in there. I don't know what it is, but there's a lesson. (laughs) Exactly. Anyway, but uh, you are, uh, boy, let's review. Okay. So you first came on, um, it it seems like six months ago was probably eight years ago to talk about uh, the media, you, sorry, Wall your... Street bets, which I guess is even more relevant today about crazy financial shenanigans yeah. and conspiracies. And, and I was talking, I think last time when we talked, I said that I, I'm a level one conspiracy believer that is like, Hey, the financial system is rigged against yeah. the ordinary guy. I'm, I'm all with that conspiracy <laughs> theory. That's you know not even the conspiracy theory. And yet, once again, proven. Yeah. It's when we go up to level two, three through seven about aliens and that everybody's in on it, no matter even if they're your local a teller at your local bank, that I start to shy away from the, the conspiracy exactly but yeah but i should say you are you are a professor of uh media and communications right at um yes at uh texas texas tech university yes that is in lubbock lubbock texas is that east texas or west texas that is west texas we're sort of the vancouver of texas oh very very nice just rains all the time there i guess yeah, and the ocean vista is really beautiful. Look at the mountains, the the rain, the fog. Very cool. All right. I think we're being sarcastic, right? No, no, no. Lo- oh. Lubbock, Lubbock is a lovely town, okay, but right. but no, nobody would confuse it with Vancouver. Right, right. Yeah, we're, okay. we're different climate. We're the high desert. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and you you sort of I think you the first time you were on you you were talking about kind of like um it was ISIS and how they use the media to. Yes. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I study 
persuasion. Right, right. And so I'm always interested in how people convince other people from individuals to groups to like whole societies to believe things. And so your show, which I think does a great job of looking at all sides of a conspiracy theory, trying to understand where it comes from, why some people may believe it, why there's some evidence that partly a conspiracy might have some validity to it and just but understanding the mechanisms where we're we're likely to believe something is true right right oh yeah well i always like to point out there are two dr pearl two david dr david pearl mothers out in the world right there's there's you and then there's kind of the 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 maybe not up fully up to science uh health dietitian writer guy who writes kind of books about yeah know, he's a much more famous david perlmutter and um he he's a, he's actually a very accomplished medical doctor but right, he right. writes about diet and, and things yeah. as well so and which are kind of yeah see they seem a little a you little should invite him yeah. as too <laughs> have us debate or something on exactly i don't know what we debate about but well i, I mean once in a while i do get cranks or their press agents who want to be on my podcast and i don't think maybe they quite get i'm like a conspiracy skeptic and uh and then i'm like oh you know okay yeah so dinosaurs don't exist cool um you know uh let me just ask you just with the one question i want to ask you i'll have you on if you could just you know give me three you know like four things uh what are your three best lines of evidence and then what would it take to convince you you're wrong what would falsify uh, just always silence nothing <laughs> yeah you you've made some really incisive comments over the years by the way i i want to plug your book the uh, conspiracy skeptic uh, book of lists i grew up which i've uh, loved reading about a couple of weeks ago i ordered a copy uh, oh, yes, great yes. christmas hanukkah aid uh kwanzaa whatever holiday you're celebrating gift yeah, yeah. um by the way I make no money from it, but I, I assume you don't either. But 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 it was a really it was a really good book, and and I oh, grew up on the book of lists. I remember as a kid right, in right. my teens reading, I think the two or three book of lists. Yeah, as I yeah. recall, they were done by the the children of the famous novelist David Wallace. Yes, um, yes, yeah. So anyway, the, they were just always so interesting. That was the pre-internet. Yeah, so this yeah. is like fascinating facts that you would only the only access you'd have to it would be the Guinness Book of World Records and the Book of Lists. And you worked very hard, the Skeptics Book of Lists, and I was just so impressed. And I, I, I kept thinking, gosh, I, I'd like to interview you about that because you really deserve some notoriety for oh, all the effort and the research, which goes to a point that you've made, which we'll talk about today, right, is right. that. You 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 just gave a list of things that you say to people when they yeah. come to you with a conspiracy. And you've mentioned a number of times about how somebody will say, hey, watch this YouTube video and <laughs> you will see how the dinosaurs really control the Federal Reserve Bank and, and so on. And you always say, well, I'll tell you what, I, I look forward to watching it. Can you tell me what are the three most cogent, mm-hmm. persuasive points there? And then I look forward to watching it with your points in mind and then Beep, frog, crickets, um, and that's what really, I, I guess, saddens me. <laughs> is once in my day, son. I, I'm getting old now, so I, I can yeah, say yeah. this: in my day, son, conspiracy theorists put a lot of work, yes, to their conspiracies. Yeah, exactly. They spend 
thousands of hours digging up trivia and footnotes and pile them on. And now it just seems like people just like, you know, stitch something and mm-hmm. forward something. And that that's considered, you know, deep thought. Yes, exactly. I forwarded a YouTube video link. Yeah. They, uh, Lyndon LaRouche, I think he might be an excellent example of that. And uh, not because he's maybe an example of a, uh, you, you know, one can actually run for president from behind bars as, as he did. There is no, there's no rule rule against it, but uh, uh, yeah. Lyndon, Lyndon LaRouche, he was a very good example. Uh, did you ever encounter, was it Peter, Peter Beater? And that's his name. I'm not, that's not even, do you ever encounter Peter, Dr. Peter Beater? No. Oh man, there's that's all okay. That's what we're, now. I think the most famous example of that was that there was a guy, he was one of the original Shakespeare didn't write Shakespeare's plays, mm-hmm. and he wrote like a 900 page book on this. And his name, I don't, it was Looney. I mean, his name okay. was actually Looney, and like people apparently, I think I read this in the book of okay. lists, they tried to convince him to maybe write under a pseudonym, but you know, oh, he was proud yeah. of his name, so right. his Looney theory. Uh, wow, yeah. Well, Peter Peter Beatty may be famous for he was kind of almost like the great great grandfather of podcasting. He would actually, but he would distribute them on cassette tape. You know, you could subscribe to his thing, and he would send out a cassette tape, and and he just had this whole entire. Uh, it was like it was like just this whole alternative universe, like. Um, uh, you know, Jimmy Carter's a robot and, uh, they're, you know, they're particle beam weapons on the moon and the Soviets got particle beam weapons in orbit and there's these space battles and yeah, it's Peter, Peter Beater. I, there, there, there's, there's a show there in the, in the offing at, at some point, but you are on today, <laughs> doctor. What's the topic again? Yeah, exactly. You are to talk about true, true crime. You're, you're a little bit worried. You're, you're kind of like, you know. There's some intersection with conspiracyism, skepticism, but you, 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 you. This is your latest interest to true crime, true crime. Well, yeah, I, I guess I, I, I'm always interested because we have a college here, and we have yeah. 2,300 students, and we have hundreds of classes, and and I'm always interested in what are the latest media trends and phenomena and platforms mm-hmm. and so on. And I've, I became interested in, I think, in t- going back to your insight about podcasting, really one of the strongest content trends in terms of a topic within the last, I'd say, 10 years, but, but especially the last five years has been this true crime phenomenon where th- there's always been crime as a subject matter of interest. I mean, you can go back hundreds of years in the middle ages there'd be sensational crimes that people would talk about and do print gutenberg prints about right and publish books on horrible crimes of of this mass murderer so there's always been an interest in crime i think that cain and abel you know made (laughs) were the subject of the first podcast uh (laughs) there but certainly through the medium of podcasting especially and then through social media there is a every famous missing and murder case has its several reddits subs that have hundreds of thousands of followers every famous case has dozens of podcasts and it's an incre- and of course books i mean traditional books and books on tape just an incredibly popular genre 
has arisen within the last uh, 10 years that I think is worthy of paying attention to and sort of asking where is it coming from and what needs is is it answering? And I think, I, I, again, I, I didn't want to come on and say that, that there is a, an actual conspiracy behind it or a conspiracy within it, but I think it, it, it overlaps in the world of conspiracy theory and discussing conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for the, um, I mean, what, what, I mean, true crime, it's, I, I think the definition is probably pretty uh, self-evident, but, but yeah, how would you define true, true crime? Well, that's a good question because obviously in any particular day in North America or Africa or Asia, there are crimes that are committed. There's murders, people go missing. It, it's actually remark when you look up the numbers, it's <laughs> remarkable how many people are murdered every year and how many people go missing every year. Yeah. And so it is an interesting question to ask why can probably just off the top of your head, you name the top 10 in terms of popularity. Like I remember growing up, uh, John Benet Ramsey, still today, you can go to a supermarket and there's a tabloid and there is the face of John Benet Ramsey with yet another theory or, you know, case closed. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever you see for any of these true crimes, case closed, you know, it hasn't. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but but the the point is, it's still popular, and right. you can name a whole bunch of other ones. I was interested, and I actually was on a podcast for the Moore Murray case, which happened up in New England. Uh, has again very popular mm-hmm. podcasts there. But you can just go down a long list, and the thing is that that you will meet. Million, millions of people just off the top of their head. Oh, yeah, I heard about that case. <laughs> just a lot of people know a little bit about these cases, but they're the tip of a, of a pyramid. And so question number one, which I guess is almost like a conspiracy question, why do some cases, like we remember the Gabby Petito case, which was mm-hmm. just saturation media coverage for about a month, like that was the only crime in America for <laughs> a month, in, in, in at least in the United States. I don't know how big it got in canada um, we 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 tend to hear about them anyways yes <laughs> yeah it filters I yeah. Mean, you're watching you're watching detroit tv up there right so uh, we, uh, there yes i i get i get uh, uh detroit pbs i know on my dial way up here in right Toronto. so i'm just fascinated how popular it is and sort of trying to understand a why is it so popular mm-hmm. why we have this selection process, what is the selection process? And then also trying to understand what that says about us and the kind of <laughs> theories, because if you go, let's just take uh, John Benet Ramsey and right. you go to Reddit and there are several big Reddit sites, again, with hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, not all of them posting, but you will regularly see a discussion about this case, the John Benet Ramsey case after a long, long time. And everybody's got a theory and everybody's got the facts that they like. Uh, Many people have commented that for a lot of these cases, some of the facts are wrong. Like, like there's very early on, something gets ingrained. It's like, which is again, a commonality with conspiracy theories is you you'll hear in a conspiracy theory. Well, everybody knows that on nine 11, this airplane did this. And of course, no, it didn't, (laughs) but somehow that got stuck in the internet. 
right. and you can't delete it. And so people will keep bringing it up again and again and again, even though it's been debunked or, mm-hmm. or falsified. Uh, so there's many crossovers, as I like to think, between true crime and conspiracy theory. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, the, you know, like you're talking about Adam and Eve, you know, or Cain and Abel and the Bible kind of maybe the first true crime. I mean, for me, the first, I mean, I'm, I'm 56. So the first true crime, I kind of book, I mean, before there were podcasts, it was books, right? You know, there was a whole section in the library or in the, uh, in the bookstore, true crime. And, um, was, uh, um, you remember, uh, the, the book Helter Skelter, I think that was yes. the first, yeah. And, um, um, and you know, talk about facts, right? I mean, I mean, it is almost probably received wisdom today that, you know, Helter Skelter was Charles Manson's attempt to start a race war. But when you really kind of look at it, it's like, no, like that comes from like the one of the prosecuting lawyers. That was just his theory of the crime. And just one of the Manson family members was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we were just trying to touch off a race war. But I mean, you know, if you can't take the word of Charles Manson, who can you take? But Charles Manson is like, we were we were just trying to like so chaos, not a, a race war. So, so, but, but I mean, today, I think, I think if anybody you ask, you know, probably like Charles Manson and that whole Helter Skelter thing. Oh yeah. That, oh, he was just trying to start a race war and boom, that's just now received wisdom today. Yeah. And, and you can also see the overlap in some of the conspiracies or uh, paranormal beliefs. <laughs> um, the best example of this is the missing 411. Mm, yes. Yes. Uh, which I guess you could call several different kinds of conspiracy theories. For those of you who don't know, there, there's a gentleman who has, has propagated this, and he and he basically he's written like a, a dozen, more than a dozen books and, and TV specials about people who go missing under what he claims are unusual circumstances. But we'll go back to that in a second. Mm-hmm. But 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 he tends to focus on national parks, people missing in yeah. national parks, right and. And indeed, I've watched a couple of his documentaries and read some of the cases, and some things are weird. Now, this is we go back to a discussion you've had with me, but with a lot of guests, is that and I and I bring this up when I talk to my students about true crime and cases. There is that okay, tomorrow, Carl, you disappear. Mm-hmm. You just disappear. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> It's because you suddenly wanted to go see New Orleans for the first time and you and your wife, your partner just took off for New Orleans <laughs> for three days. Okay. Yeah. And you forgot to tell people you were leaving. And <laughs> so people, maybe the police is interested at first, maybe they're not, but, but people analyze what you did the week before you disappeared. And yeah. wait a minute, Carl always eats a Danish. <laughs> yeah at Mackenzie's Donuts before he goes to work. But on Tuesday, he ate a bear claw <laughs> instead of a Danish. What does that mean? You know, so put, you know, and so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of um, false flags of like, well, wait a minute, somebody did something anomalous. And, and I think like how many times during a week do I do something that's slightly anomalous, mm-hmm. which again, yep. if, you unleashed a hundred thousand redditors on it. Yes. <laughs> okay. 
there would be some, I'm not in any way, by the way, in any of our discussion, trying to take away from the seriousness of crimes mm. or the, the tragedy of somebody missing and families not knowing. Right. It's just that the, the fact of somebody disappearing lends itself or being killed lends itself to, to over analysis sometimes <laughs> yeah. of every possible little detail. And, and, uh, I think in the, the case of missing 411, now, if you, if you go to the missing 411 Reddit, or if you look at some of David Politis' his, his name's work, mm. uh, you will start to see Bigfoot and yes. UFOs and paranormal phenomenon, phenomena. Um, sometimes people will point things out. like and, and again, so many things are counterintuitive. We, we all know, and the... The, the the Atlov Pass example <laughs> is always brought out, but we all know that there's this phenomenon which is completely weird called, was it paradoxical undressing, right? Like okay. like when people get to the point where they're freezing to death, they feel really warm mm -hmm. and they strip down. And I think until this was understood, yeah, if you just read about it and go, wait a minute, that guy was found naked, <laughs> frozen. What's that about? He must yeah. have been under the influence of like some UFO, you know, Bigfoot paranormal thing until we find out that there is an explanation or this kind this situation where somebody goes missing. There is a search. And then like six months later, they're found dead, you know, their bones in the same place where the search was. And like, how could the search have missed them? <laughs> well, I don't know how often you've been camping. I have not been camping very long, but like it is so easy to get lost mm -hmm. and it is so easy to overlook something right in front of you. If you're in rugged terrain, I think of like, you know, Northern Canada, mm -hmm. how many, how many bodies <laughs> are in the tundra or, you know, behind some woods or something like that. So the, the true crime genre there's absolutely crime out there and there are people who disappear under mysterious circumstances, but there's a lot of false flags facts out there. Like they just, they, they aren't as mysterious as people make them out to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, helter skelter. I mean, what, what is kind of, I mean, in, for you, what, what is really the first kind of true crime book or you kind of remember what was the, yeah, I, I, I do. I, I don't think I was quite, well, I think I remember the Helter Skelter movie on television. Yes, yes. Which did play up a sort of slightly paranormal, like mm -hmm. Manson had was like satanic evil or something. And right, right, yeah. Made the prosecutor's watch stop. I just remember, I find it amazing that this was about a horrible murder, but the only thing I remember was like the prosecutor's watch stopped <laughs> right. when Manson looked at him. So that tells you how the human mind works, that that's like the most important fact which I don't think was a fact, right? It didn't right, actually right. happen. But it was Helter Skelter. But then for some reason, John Benet Ramsey, mm, was, yeah. I, I think I was coming of age and paying attention to media at that time. And that was like the saturation case right, yeah. of the era. Well, there's, well who's, there's, who's the... There's all these conspiracies about, you know, John Benet Ramsey, you know, she's not dead and she's now like um, Carrie Perry. Perry Katie. I even Katie saying? Perry. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. There's that one out there. Now, of yeah. course, you know, we again the overlap, Kennedy assassinations, plural, yes. <laughs> uh, have always, I mean, that you could argue they're true crime. And of course, let's go back to the word true, right? Because yeah. in a lot of these cases, what's interesting to me is that 
we know some things which are very likely true, <laughs> but then other things we just don't know. Right. And, and, and I, and we've talked about, and you've talked about in your show with other people about how as human beings, we hate uncertainty. We like mm. to know something. Yeah. And so our brain tends to fill in the gaps mm-hmm. with facts that may not be true or, or no. And we don't like the idea of like, no one will ever know, or what, especially with motivations. Like um, there's so many missing people cases and you see endless speculation, like, why did she do that? Why, what was she thinking? And why would she, you know, turn off the car engine and walk away? Why would she be wearing red that day? And again, yeah, I guess you could try to find a reason for everything, but like, can you explain everything you do all the time? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I think a lot of true crime is sort of semi-true crime. (laughs) in that we know less than we we think we do yeah yeah and 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 you see these cases where more evidence accumulates over time and like dna is a very good example it's like mm-hmm. there've been some famous cases recently the the um the delphi murders is one of the top 10 there are these two young terrible horrible horrible two young girls murdered and they just arrested somebody oh, okay like a couple of weeks ago uh I believe it was, I, I, I mean, they, they found some evidence and of course DNA now is becoming better and better, right. you know, so they're yeah. solving like 35 year old, 50 year old crimes with DNA. Right. Yeah. Well, so, even with the whole, I was going to say the whole, like, uh, was it 23 and me where, you know, people are just adding their genetics to the database and right. Right. And they were able to sort of the most use- dangerous Christmas present ever exactly 23 and me are you watching these videos where like people their their parents are both like seventh generation irish and they buy them at they buy a 23 and me and it turns out they're half albanian and yeah okay (laughs) it's a a very uncomfortable thanksgiving meal exactly yeah but the but they're able to sort of use so they have like dna from a crime scene yeah and you know and they and uh and then they're able to sort of go, okay, you know, we can find these people who are related, you know, like, you know, they're obviously the cousins of, and they'll say, okay, do you know anybody who was living in the city? Probably, you know, had, you know, what, what had knowledge of plumbing or was a plumber. And it's like, yeah, that's uncle Bob, you know, and boom. And they're able to, it's fascinating. Yes. They're able to zone right in on these, these people. Yeah. And, and you keep hoping I'm like one of the most famous cases. And I, I just became interested in it because I lived for and worked in the area. Jody Husentrut was a television news anchor person in Mason city, Iowa, and she disappeared. She was, I mean, the circumstances are pretty clear that she was kidnapped from her apartment uh, 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 near her car something one morning. And, uh, there, there are, if you listen to like, there's podcasts out there, find Jody are, mm-hmm. is done a very good podcast done by some journalists who knew her or in memory of her. And they, and, and they're very good because they go through systematically the 57 or so conspiracy theories of this person did it, this person did it. And it's, it's fascinating how somebody sounds guilty until you you look into it and you realize now they probably couldn't have done it so mm-hmm. 
a lot of true crime is half true crime. And I think that's very important is that this is why we can't convict people based on podcasts. You know, <laughs> yeah. we actually have to go through evidence in a court. Well, I, I always joke, you know, you know, if you're a skeptic, um, you have some weird browser searching history and, and you know, and as a skeptic, I mean, you could, they could pin any crime on me just going through my browser history, like, building bombs, building a, your own, you know, nuclear bomb, you know, how to poison someone without detecting, you know, like this just, there, there, there's a crazy, yeah. And, and right. Yeah. And, and you could, you know, you, sometimes you hear this in certain cases and his browser history, he was searching on this, you know, two days before his wife went missing. And isn't that strange? And it's like, you know, yeah, like, of course there's some more guilty than others. Yeah. There's a, <laughs> a famous case where, um, and I, I believe it was not for some reason, it was not entered into the court that somebody looked up like how to suffocate my child, you know, like two days before they, their yes. child went missing. Yes. So, so, I mean, there, some things have, it's harder to explain. Yes, exactly. Some browser searches than, yeah. Yeah. than, right. than others, you know, yeah. If you're just how to make Carl yeah. Mamer disappear forever. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, if you're just an average Joe, that would stand out. Right. But I just think like when you're kind of a skeptic or a researcher, you are, you are looking at all kinds of crazy yeah. topics. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and people, yeah, I'm sure people could. Uh... And we had some examples when there was the uh, Boston, marathon bombing right yes there was some very unhappy situations where people on reddit mm -hmm. especially were accusing people were looking at photos of the scene and accusing people and saying this guy looked suspicious mm -hmm. and they didn't do it yeah. it turned out there was a completely innocent person so it is there is a cautionary note about getting too excited about trying to solve a crime through the internet mm -hmm which I don't think is something that anybody should do or try to do. Yes, exactly. I, I mean, that, that was sort of my first, I mean, yeah, Helter Skelter was my first you know, memory of like true crime. You're right. The Boston bombing and like the, you know, the, 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 you know, the Reddit team that tried to solve it uh, would be really my first memory of, you know, crowdsourcing, you know, a, yeah. And, 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 if you looked at some things, it's like, look at this person and look at their way their backpack is. And, you know, they probably had a bomb in there. And, and, and yeah, if you're just sort of looking at some of these things, you're like, oh, the, yeah, they, they totally found the guy and it wasn't the guy. Right. Yes. And I think one of the guys that they all had decided to, to sort of, you know, the, yeah, he's definitely guilty. Uh, right. Didn't he kill himself or something? Was he not? I, I don't know about that one. There's a there. There's some. I mean, I want to make clear that there are some really high quality podcasts <laughs> out there that do a great job. Um, the missing, the pe people who put together the missing podcast. Yeah. I, I I like them because they will admit that something that they thought earlier was they found new evidence and it's mm -hmm. wrong. And I think it's really it's so important as an educator. I always tell like to tell students like, hey, you know, I just. I found out something I've believed for years is wrong. I think it's good for people right. to admit that the error and, and sort of learn about evidence. And there's, there's just a lot of good podcasts out there. Right. I think we really should always be a little, uh, the skeptical part mm -hmm. is when somebody has solved a crime, mm -hmm. yeah, yes. but for some reason, the police refuse to 
take the evidence and prosecute somebody. Now, that's not to say that there aren't yeah. some. I mean, there's a lot of problems with what, what one of the things you learn about the justice system. And I've seen that because just going back, as, as you may recall, my, my first book was about police and the media. It's a book mm-hmm. called Policing the Media. And it was based upon riding along with the police department for two years and observing how officers interacted with the public interpolated through media, because a lot of people, you know, don't have exposure to police work except through watching television. And so a lot of expectations of what police did was based on a stereotype from news, but also from entertainment. Right. So I was always interested in the police, how police worked versus the image. Now, since then, this was the late uh, mid 90s. The book was published in 97. So a lot has changed. But the CSI phenomenon Mm -hmm. is a real thing. Uh, I've heard many prosecutors and, and attorneys talk about how juries almost expect miraculously accurate evidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, most police departments, you think about most of Canada or most of North America, believe it or not, murder murders occur a lot, yeah. but they tend to cluster, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's a du- dual problem. When a murder happens in Chicago, you can imagine the Chicago police department are used to dealing with murders but there's so many of them yes. that you you know you worry that like they don't have enough time to deal with any one particular murder. Yeah. Then a murder happens in some small town in Canada where nobody's dealt with a murder before mm-hmm. and you have the a police force that has no experience in like collecting evidence and right, and right. so on. So there a lot of these true crime uh cases you go like gee, you know, it's too bad that there wasn't some, uh, I, I don't want to say better police work because again, they were often police are trying to do their best, but mm-hmm. like we don't have a Hollywood level CSI lab available yes. in every small town in North Dakota and Victoria and uh, um, British Columbia. Right. So exactly. it's, it's hard to, <laughs> to do this. And what, um, um, you know, there, I mean, there, to me, when you're talking sort of true crime, there's, there's, maybe like you know passive fans like you know if i'm you know listening to serial you know which you know which of course just made true crime I mean, there were true crime podcasts before serial but serial kind of moved it really moved the needle on that and then there as we're, and we're talking about the you know the true crime where it's like the redditor level people are trying to solve true true crime but what for the passive listener, like I'm just gonna want to find a nice podcast about true true crime, or or if you were like, hey, I'm going to start a podcast on true crime, uh, have you sort of figured out like what is what goes into making a good successful true crime podcast? What what about it? What about a good true crime podcast appeals to say first the the passive listener? Well, I, I think the answer is the same elements that go into a very good journalism, very good police work, very good uh, skeptical inquiry, very good. I like people who do research. (laughs) Again, this is an academic bias is like, if I read a book of history, I don't want it to be just repetitions of like cut cut and paste YouTube links or cut and paste Mm -hmm. what somebody else said. I want to look through the footnotes and go, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this guy read the original documents. And this comes up 
in a number of good podcasts where they don't just repeat what somebody else said or repeat what was in a news story. They, they look at the original court transcripts. They order the original uh, autopsy report. They get whatever they can that's original. Mm-hmm. So to me, the ratio, the higher the ratio of original research mm-hmm. to speculation and repetition, the better the podcast, the better, yeah, okay. the more I respect somebody. Just okay. again, as if you read a book in it of, of history and it just seems like, oh, this guy just read other books of history and just slapped it together. Right. It's less impressive than somebody deep dived and is telling you something that's original and new and, and, yeah. and confirmed. Because again, we know, and, and the, your book of lists is a very good example. As I was reading some of those things and I was going like, oh gosh, you know, I, I misunder, I, I've, believed something completely wrong about uh tesla or something like right, like right, that right. not not the modern tesla but yeah, right, the, yeah. the the famous uh test before tesla and, and, tesla, and yeah. you apparently like look things up yeah yeah which, which is which as we talked about at the beginning of this uh time together is it, it like it's almost like a lost art of looking something up yeah and and doing original thoughtful deep dives yeah, which is in some ways it's crazy because we never before in human history has it been easier to find original documents, <laughs> original writing, original evidence that you can judge for yourself. I mean, before before the Internet, I mean, mm-hmm. if you wanted to look up the circumstances of a case in Hamilton, yeah. Canada, <laughs> what, what, I mean, you'd have to travel there. Right. And like make a petition in the canadian court and yeah. i mean you'd, you'd spend six months of your life living in a, in a motel in in hamilton <laughs> yes where well, now you can just you can just download it but people don't yeah i, I mean the uh i i'll recommend listeners go, go back and listen to the the very first one we did about the isis and the media and um you know, you know, we're living in a do your own research universe these these days, especially with the COVID, right? That, you know, that became a, a bit of a meme, like the tombstones with I did my own research. And you have a wonderful example of what does doing research actually mean, where you were doing something about, you know, did popular opinion stop the war in Vietnam? And yeah, you said, yeah, yeah. I, that was, that yeah. was another uh, book that I did. And I, I, I found this phenomenon, I called it the incredible disappearing footnote, right. which was that somebody <laughs> in, in that case, I was I was doing research on the power of pictures. Mm-hmm. And I would find these quotes that said, this picture horrified America and turned America, United States, mm-hmm. at least against the war in Vietnam. And I would read that sentence and there would be a footnote and it's mm-hmm. a historian professor i i say okay great i I look up the footnote and it's a another book and i'll get that book and it's simply that sentence with another footnote and then (laughs) i'll go back and there was no original Mm -hmm. like here's the public opinion poll where people where 73 percent of people said yes after looking at that picture (laughs) i am now against the war there there was no there 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 was no original there and i think we have to be really careful right uh, Brian Dunning has talked about this on Skeptoid, where sometimes he he will talk about how he. It, one of the things that impresses me about his podcast is that he deep dives mm-hmm. and looks up 
as much as Primary possible sources, original yeah. work. And then he also does correction shows and almost always his corrections are where he, he made the assumption <laughs> that something that everybody knew was true, yeah, <laughs> was true, but, but we just didn't take the time to look at the original sources to confirm yeah. them or not. But, you know, I was also struck by your, uh, you, I, I don't know how many, much time you spent, but you spent like, you know, like a couple of weeks, maybe you, you, went to the library, got every issue of every newspaper between two certain dates. And you said you just looked through every single page. How, how, how much time did you spend on that? Well, that was a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah. we professors, we, we can, at least before I became an administrator, I, I could afford that time to do that. But, but <laughs> the point was that I wanted, I really, I, I spent a year to produce a sentence. <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. And I'm not praising myself. I'm just saying that I really I wanted to be real confident about mm -hmm. that sentence. Yes. And I, sometimes you can confirm a sentence with in five minutes, and sometimes it takes you years. And I and again, I, I respect the works of scholarship, especially the historians who have gone to the original archives and you and and reprint. And by the way, there have been some famous cases. There was a historian, I won't mention his name, but he Years ago, he was sort of outed that he had uh, claimed he quoted from some original archives to prove his point. And mm -hmm. other historians who had been in those archives said, mm, no, mm -hmm. that's not what that document said. And they were able to pull it out. And right, right. Yeah, uh, he, he lost his job, actually, <laughs> over yeah. that right. um, false being falsifiable is really important. That, that's where. That's going back to conspiracy theory. That, that's where I get uncomfortable is when people have non-falsifiable theories <laughs> or, or, or I, they're not theories, they're hypotheses. So saying that, well, this guy disappeared, there's no trace, ergo, Bigfoot, UFO, giant <laughs> snakes. Yeah. And I'm going like, okay, well, I can't prove you're wrong, <laughs> but it's not up to me to prove that you're, <laughs> you're wrong. It's up to you. Convincing. To show the, the the snake, the skin from the giant snake, yeah, that's radioactive, that has Bigfoot hair on it. Exactly, it's up to you, not but me. I, but I mean, you're even I I believe your 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 newspaper reading adventure, like you have to do that because you know, you know, if you're going to submit that paper or submit that book to an editor, someone's going to ask you, did you do this? And if you say no, right, they're going to be like, well come back to me when you do it right like you have to do that research. some editors carl <laughs> okay, <sorry. laughs> i i i say i still think that's true in the academic world right. that, that we we fact check each other uh there's enough people like if you write a book about um it, i i read a re really good article recently about defense policy in canada after World War II, where <laughs> Canada became really dependent on the United States and Great Britain for their intelligence about the Soviet Union, because, right. of course, Canada sort of faces the Soviet Union and did. Anyway, it, it was he this historian went through a lot of documents. And I'm thinking there must be quite a number of Canadian historians who study the post-war period. Right. And so he couldn't he couldn't just make stuff up and expect 12 other professors to to not go whoa, whoa stop 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 i've read the same diplomatic documents and i disagree you're wrong you're just right. wrong on this right.
Yeah, I mean, true, true crime. I mean, now my 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 impression is, and and this is where you can tell me if I'm wrong. And I think I think it's a, sort of a general bias. It's that you know that if the victim is a pretty young blonde woman, that goes right to the top. And if you know if it's a person of color, someone's poor, uh, you know, not Christian, um, that never gets any. Is is that did you find anything about that? Have you found anything about that? Like, is you know, is there is there a kind of a bias in terms of true crime? What we 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 focus on? Yes, I mean, there's always exceptions to everything, <laughs> and and I th- this is where you you wonder like, is this a sort of conspiracy of preference and taste, <laughs> right? Uh. I think human beings tend to be concerned more about people that we consider to be like us. So, you know, if you, if you read, if you read a story about a, um, a 56 year old guy in Windsor and technology who <laughs> disappeared one day. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's... Be like, hmm, you know, is there, are they hunting? Yeah. Are the aliens hunting a uh, 56 year old tech guys you know that in Windsor. my google alert to like yeah, yeah yeah that's probably in your google alert there but so i, I think there there definitely is a the media like certain kinds of of heroes and heroines and you can see that i mean talk about movies right mm-hmm. like there is still today i mean we talk we talk about movies trying to be more diverse in their <laughs> characters and ethnicity and race and so on like that. But we still have in movies, a huge bias towards beautiful people. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we will, we will cast a, a woman to be in a role that probably you would, that you wouldn't have seen a woman in, in the fifties, <laughs> but she's a stunningly beautiful woman by the standards of Western culture so we we still we still have certain biases about <laughs> who we like to see and i think that that tends to, and the people who run the news industry know that just as much as the people who run hollywood <laughs> that something will sell better if they're attractive and <laughs> sympathetic or or i mean you you, you you there's a lot of people who are in the under underside of society you know poor people pro, uh, prostitutes um you know, homeless people who disappear and are killed every day, they don't make the news right. as much. Absolutely. Unless they're in a pattern, you have to kill a lot of them to get the attention of the media. Whereas you were the, the more what, yeah, absolutely. The more white suburban right. person will, will get attention much faster. But I, but I honestly, again, this is not one of those conspiracies where I think like people sitting around a room saying, well, you know, mm. our victim has to be yeah, yeah. a white blonde woman. I just think they sort of know what's going to get people people's attention, and they right. go with that. Right. Yeah. And and what um, you know, and kind of the other side of the the true crime, where like like you know, people who like to sort of you know pile on and you know um, crowdsource. Like, well, what are there any kind of crimes that? Um, attract those kinds of people like it's like you know you know uh you know people are not necessarily trying to solve the murder of right just some person in oklahoma right but you know they're trying to solve who's that that young woman 
who was eventually found dead in the the, the the top of the hotel in New York in the in the uh, That was in was that in New York or in Hong Kong? I think uh, oh, no, that was that was. I think she she. I think Lam. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in New yeah. York. Yeah, yeah. That was in New York. Well, New um, York. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a. I, I should know that. That's a very. That's yeah. a very famous. Yeah, and and that's a very good example because there's been a lot of podcasts, a lot of Reddit. I mean, I think there's you know entire websites devoted to this case, and that's one of those situations where people will, to the ends of UFOlogy. Mm-hmm. At super analyze somebody's behavior and say mm-hmm. why did she do this and why did she do that well it's it's quite possible that she she had uh, mental illness you know mm-hmm. and so and, and then when you start to interpret like why did somebody do something I, I always get a little bit concerned when people again are inserting motivation mm-hmm. inserting rational behavior to explain something mm-hmm. uh, we should also be concerned when when people find somebody guilty on the internet when you know it hasn't actually been in a court yet in the united states we still like to pretend that people are innocent until proven guilty and also i've listened to enough of these podcasts where you start out on episode one going oh my god carl mamer did it it's dead on (laughs) i mean he is guilty why isn't he in prison but but then by episode seven, you go like, "Oh, I get it. He couldn't have done it." So it just uh, we, yeah. we got to be really careful about drive-by true crime. Yeah, and that's why I appreciate the really good true crime podcasts, which go super deep and don't jump to two conclusions too quickly based on too little evidence. I mean, people get tripped up in the, and a lot of times, you know, they they get their information from like TV and movies. It's like, like, you know, people like, you know, like someone who's, let's say mentally ill, you know, they think like, you know, someone who's, you know, quote, crazy, mushugana, I think is the medical term, the, you know, they have an idea how they behave. Well, if they're crazy, they must be crazy all the time and not just sort of like, no, they can be it can get by the seeming very rational and just do something a little crazy and then you know get by rational do something a little crazy you know and, and so we we have these lay person stereotypes of how should a plane crash look you know how should a building fall you know that that kind of stuff and and then you know and then we go golly that doesn't make sense to me therefore you know, you know versus like yeah but are you you know, are you a crime scene investigator? Are you an architect? Yeah. Or you, you know, like, you know, like, um, you know, these sorts of things. It's like, just because you have this Hollywood version of how something should go, it really goes like that in real life. Well, I mean, we always say truth is stranger than fiction. And it, it is true that, that a lot of true crime cases, if you follow the evidence uh, there's a there's a famous case. Uh, what I think what's called the the Yuba City Five. These four, I think these these were a, a group of young men <laughs> in uh, Yuba, California. Uh, I think I, I, I'm I don't know the case very well, but they disappeared, <laughs> and then a number of them were found dead months later. <laughs> very odd circumstances. Lots of questions about why did they do this? Why did why did they go there? At some point, 
we just don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and trying to, to recreate how, what they were thinking. I, I'm, I'm thinking of the times I've panicked at Costco, you know, like I got <laughs> lost. Like I can't, my, I turned around and my wife wasn't there mm-hmm. at Costco. Right. And I panicked. And I went down the wrong aisle and I, and like, where am I? And, 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 I don't think enough people have been in a situation, mm-hmm. but like the woods, for example, yeah. and, and getting lost in the woods, being disoriented. Um, very few of us have actually been in, and I've talked to people and I've also heard people talk about panic situations mm-hmm. and you, and in military history, this happens a lot where like, there's this phenomenon you've talked about this where somebody will say that ufo was seen by a police officer and those are trained observers Mm -hmm. well no 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 police officer is a trained observer of ufos yes exactly and as you and others uh have pointed out aerial uh, illusions and anomalies the the human visual system can't process them correctly. Mm-hmm. Things do look bigger or smaller or, or two lights make us think that there's one long light and things like that. So the point is that, that it's the explanation of people panicked and got lost and made some, some mistakes, but it had nothing to do with crime or it had mm-hmm. nothing to do with, 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 mental illness they just i mean we're all mentally ill when we're panicked and or, or we're crazy we're, we're we're scared right i mean we lose our literally lose our reason <laughs> at that point and we do things and that's why you find these situations where people died like uh you know 50 feet from a mountie station or something like right, that right, right. yeah what um i mean what does would you call like the, the, what are some really awful things a, uh, a, like a true crime podcast can do? What are like the, what are some of the, the great, the great sins? Well, okay. So imagine you have lost somebody you love mm-hmm. and I say lost as in they're missing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, nobody knows where they are right. or you've lost them they've been killed yeah and uh, i had i've had some good discussions with some some i mean over the years with police about this is that so the family is in a terrible situation <laughs> because on the one hand if if there's a mystery if like like the killer hasn't been caught or the person is still missing you want maximum attention <laughs> because you want the police and the the fbi to to the Canadian, the Canadian, the, the Royal Mounted Police, you want, yep. <laughs> you want them to think this is a really important case yeah. and to expend resources. Yes. You want tip lines, people mm-hmm. to call them, right? You, you want something to happen. On the other hand, publicity is a, just a terrible weapon, mm-hmm. right? And you can imagine in these families' cases, because there, there are despicable. I know this is a shock, Carl, but it is <laughs> unbelievable. And I, I, I've talked to people. I was on a podcast of a, um, a young woman whose sister disappeared mm-hmm. in Japan years ago. Just flew to Japan and then disappeared. And one of the things she ser- shared with me in her podcast was about how many 
terrible people have contacted her just to be jerks, just mm -hmm. to be horrible. Right. I mean, I, I, it, 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 it puzzles me that there are people who have so little in their life right, and, and so obsessed with, with just making other people miserable that they mm -hmm. will say, ah, that person, her sister is missing. I think I'll ruin her day yeah. by making a false accusation or just saying, you know, your sister deserves to yeah. die. Right. Yeah. And now this is actually very common. So the more publicity you get, Right. more horrible people will seek you out to ruin your life yeah. there. So it's this trap that nobody should be in. Right. But unfortunately, pretty much every family that suffered some loss and then gets publicity is suffering this. So it's like a double crime. Right. It's the worst thing imaginable. I mean, I think killing somebody is terrible, but like taunting the family of somebody who's killed i i personally think they should be serving the killer and the taunter should be serving in prison together you know in the same cell that's or, my editorial opinion yeah, or maybe be sued for you know 1.3 billion dollars it's uh that seems fair i i would hope i i mean i just the internet brings can bring out the the best and the worst. <laughs> yes, yes, and give them full access. Uh, yeah, I mean, even in the early days, what what do we call Vir virtual spying? We we called it right that that things you would never say to a person. Yeah, in front of their face, you have no problem saying to them on online virtual virtual spine and uh, yeah that's some of the earliest research on human computer inter interface even before there was an internet I, you and i are, are are still very young but we're barely old enough to remember bulletin boards you've talked about bulletin boards mm -hmm. in some yeah. of your other shows and they were flame wars <laughs> and all the, all the the you know it's almost like they maybe they shouldn't have invented the internet if <laughs> based upon the example of, of bulletin boards, because yeah. the amount of toxicity that existed when people were dialing a modem, <laughs> well, uh, what could they have been thinking to make it so much easier to spoo hate, <laughs> hatred and toxicity? I, I, I will say way more is back. That it's, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to get people to move over to this Mastodon. And, and some people are like, Oh, it's, it's, it's hard to figure out. I'm like, no, no. Sometimes bars are good because back in the day when it's like you know online, yeah, you, you had to know how to install a modem and find telecommunication software, and there was a bar you had to get over, and it didn't mean that you were like you you're gonna think just like me, but you had certain skills, and and flame wars back then were I would say were better argued <laughs> than maybe they are today because uh, you know I I. And I'm going to sort of be a bit more gentle here, but like, you know, Twitter is, you know, Macedon, you just can't sort of sign up and then pull your Johnson out, you know, that you, you have to sort of sign up and you got to figure some stuff out, you know, and, and that's really what really changed a lot with the internet, right? It was just that, you know, it went from where you got, you got to figure this out to like, you just could get on and pull your Johnson out, you know, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. Well, it goes back to our original discussion about the conspiracy theorists of yesteryear, yeah. you know, would spend 
a thousand hours in their barn making mimeograph copies of yeah. things to, to mail out to their their 50 subscribers and you sort of had to respect the time they put in i mean they were just as kooky but <laughs> there was the entry point was harder well, that's true. I mean, paper is an expensive and finite resource, right? So what you're putting on those, you know, yeah, exactly. Those, those, those 14 pages, you know, has to be good. Whereas to, yeah, today it's just like, I'm just going to throw, right. I'm going to throw 18, 40 minute piece of crap YouTube videos at you, you know, and which the person doesn't even watch themselves and you know that, and that's always, you know, like we're sort of saying, just give me the three good points in there you know that's you've caught them right and the amount of energy they expend trying to argue that they don't have to give you those points <laughs> it's just like okay at the five minute mark this person talks about you know like you know you know um um you know the, uh, you know the, these you know um you know this thing and uh, the, the 10 minute mark this thing you know like yeah no, you didn't you didn't watch it <laughs> yeah so yeah uh what um um what, what do you think is the future of of true crime like not that it's going to kind of go go away but uh cuz it's you know it's i mean we like it's like say adam and Eve or uh, you know Cain and abel i think it was like wasn't in the golden it was like the sweats like the true crime detective magazines that were you know 5 cents yes, and you right. the covers the 50s and... well i mean okay so jack the ripper Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jack, that, sold that's, a lot yeah. of newspapers. Yeah, in Victorian England, right? And and this is even, uh, certainly before <laughs> before a, a lot of uh, our today's electronic media. So I think if there is a human race a hundred years from now, there will be some version mm-hmm. of true crime, and it will be interesting. I think I think there's a fascination with risk mm-hmm. and. Uh, which we probably have had death that that we there's a fascination with with that we we we're danger that mm-hmm. this is part i i think honestly it's a genetic evolutionary right. trait you know we 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 like to to think about like oh gosh you know there for the for the grace of god or mm-hmm. you know th- th- this happened it could have happened to me right, right. and and I think that's a discussion. I remember when I was doing my book about police work, this is again, sort of just at the beginning, the, 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 the TV show cops was on the air, which was like a reality show about just following cops around. So this was the oh, early yeah, yeah. days of reality television that has now come to dominate all television. I and mean, of course, true crime is just as a subgenre of like, you know, true fishing and true. I mean, there's so many true, <laughs> Uh, mountain men or right. is, is there a royal canadian mounties true to you know, follow them around um, i'm really shocked that there's no you know mountie yeah we, we reality have a, show. Uh, yeah we have one for like canadian uh customs like our border guards and stuff oh i think i've seen that yes, where people are trying exactly. to smuggle in 500 fish or something yeah. <laughs> exactly like you know you know why oh yeah exactly why is that a parrot in your pants or are you just happy to meet me? Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. yeah. So, so I think that there's an innate human fascination with risk and danger and horror. I mean, mm-hmm. people, I mean, think about it. People pay money to be scared. Yeah. Right. People pay money to, to see, I, I, I cannot stand 
grisly forensic details like i don't want to see a morgue autopsy mm. but like people watch those shows they want yeah. they'll you know they, they will be a an autopsy and there'll be blood i i people like that mm. and there'll always be a version of it i think there is a question about desensitization mm. about whether we we see it and it becomes too much too expected. Uh, there is a question about law and justice. Again, I think about the expectations of people that there'll be some miraculous laboratory evidence that mm -hmm. proves all, all cases. I remember one of the, the equivalent of a, a, a forensic guy in the, the county where I was doing my police study and he said to me, and I've always remembered this, he said, thank God most criminals are idiots. <laughs> and he gave me some cases which, I mean, if they weren't, they weren't about murder or mm -hmm. horrible crimes would be hilarious, where, where people literally would you know, kill somebody and then go have a glass of milk mm -hmm. and leave bloody fingerprints on the refrigerator door, on the milk, on the door you know, on the staircase right. and then drop their wallet. Right. <laughs> and of course in, in the uh, court, they would argue it was just coincidence. And, you know, but, but so we, we live in an uncertain world. I think this is, this goes back. We can maybe close on this is that all conspiracies are trying to reduce uncertainty because that's what we humans want. Yes, exactly. And unfortunately, the world is is not as certain as we want it to be. We we want crime to happen to other people. Mm -hmm. We want crime to ha we want the illicit thrill mm -hmm. of danger, but obviously not to happen to ourselves. Right. I think that, that that's fulfilling some basic human wants and needs, and it's always going to be with us. Yeah. I think they call the, the the just world hypothesis that people people bring that to bear a lot in crime, right? Like you know, uh, old ladies crossing the street and gets hit by a bus. That is that is a horrible thing. You will have people that will look at that and go, "Well, she you know she was half a block from a light. She should have crossed a light. She got what was coming to her, right? Like like we need to right just as conspiracies, we need to take that randomness and have a a narrative that fills in the gaps like a lot of crime i think we need yeah we we need to view it as like yeah pretty young woman you know well she got hers i think at some you know kind of kind yeah, of thing yeah th that's the flip side you were asking about some victims being more prominent and <laughs> and sympathetic there's a flip side to that um i'm going to go off on a slight cultural <laughs> yeah, tangent yeah, yeah. here have you seen that movie uh, Josh Whedon, Josh Whedon movie Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, so yeah. I because I don't like grisly violence, I didn't mm -hmm. like most of that movie, but it had a very interesting point. I'm, I'm not going to give away the spoiler, okay. the the apocalyptic spoiler, but <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> it, it was a commentary on yeah, we seem to love movies where teenagers doing teenage things mm -hmm. are horribly murdered yeah. and we call it comeuppance you know yeah. like how dare you go off and make out in the bushes for that you should be hacked to death when we're yeah. going like what 
really, I mean, if we thought about it, that's a, that's a crazy, that's horrible. But yet that's the, the moral lesson yeah. of 50 years of dead teenager movies that have been very popular and Hollywood has made hundreds of versions of. And, and he was calling it out and saying, why, why do we enjoy this? Right. right? And so I think it is an interesting question to say, on the one hand, yeah, you know, there's more, it seems to be that these young, young women, for example, get more sympathy, but also it's almost like we, we seem to get a prurient <laughs> more attention to young women there. And, and I, I see these cases where uh, there was a case a, a couple of months ago, uh, I wasn't, it, it was a, a mother and she went jogging and she was murdered. <laughs> <laughs> And if you went on the internet, you'd people like, why was she out jogging, you know, and she was wearing <laughs> this exactly. and I'm going like, what do you want? Like just everybody to live in their house, but in a fortress with heavily armed with razor wire. And I mean, people are allowed to go out <laughs> and it's not their fault. Exactly. If somebody randomly picks them to to hurt them. And I, I think we we do sometimes, and I, you can again, the internet does this, you can see it in the comments. We 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 make it a moral character judgment yeah. when people are a victim of crime. Yeah. Yeah. It is it is unsettling that that you know that, that we could be we you know, we could be a victim too. It's a weird yeah. We have to like yeah. Well, you know, I'm yeah, I'm not going to go, you know, jogging, you know, at night in my neighborhood, you know, I, I can't then be a victim. Yeah. All right. Okay. I guess we could wrap up. Uh, you know, I, I always ask all those traditional questions and now I don't even ask them anymore, but uh, uh, you know, what, what, what do you, what do you have, kind of have on, on tap? Are you, are you, are you still involved in kind of, Oh geez, what the heck was that? Sorry. <laughs> oh no, it's my You were attacked, Carl, right? Yeah, I... on, on live on I know it's just the uh my but payment device, just the the Moby eighty five hundred payment device just fell off a shelf right in front of me. My I'm in my home office and I'm just you know, I work for a, a restaurant software company. So you, you just everything I'm just surrounded by credit card machines and you know, receipt printers and it's just Sometimes I I love this job, but I'm always like, the one thing I would look forward to taking another job, I can get rid of all of this crap. I don't have to be surrounded by all this, all this, all this hardware. But yeah, sorry. What? Yeah. What? What? Do, what do you have coming up in the future? Anything? Uh, anything? Anything cool? Well, again, I'm I'm very lucky. I'm surrounded by all these students, so I always am hearing from them directly about the latest trends within the world of media and. Uh, I mean, we talk about. Mm -hmm. um, Mastodon, or which is a relatively new social media site, uh, the the newest thing with our students is be real. I've never heard of that. Yes, because okay. you're old, Carl. <laughs> you're so, right. I you forget all the time. <laughs> ask your nieces and nephews okay. or your your younger children about okay. be real. This and and actually, that's a, an interesting point. Is that I think this generation we're talking about truth and like <laughs> estimating whether something is true or right. This generation, I'm I'm very proud of them in, in several ways. One of them is they 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 are desperately seeking authenticity. Mm -hmm. They've been lied to by yeah. several other generations. Um, they don't necessarily trust the government or big corporate, and you shouldn't, right? I mean, I I I don't trust 
big anything. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that there's all these, some of these conspiracies are pretty ridiculous, but I, that doesn't make me trusting mm-hmm. of the Canadian government or the Ecuadorian government. <laughs> but I think they really want authenticity. And, and this Be Real app is one where you're supposed to take a picture of yourself without primping and makeup mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. be, be authentic. Oh, okay. And so just, I think that's the key word for the future that we're going to have to figure out a way to give our young folks is, is to try to be authentic for them. Great. Super. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you again for sort of peeling off some of your time and talking about something new, different, and, and interesting. I, 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 do, I do appreciate it, doctor. Thank you, Carl. Have a great evening. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care.